0: climate,
1: and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our one hundred and eighty, eightieth program of <laughs> Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization working for social change for over 20, 25 years meanwhile. Mm-hmm. I'm Jacques Boulet,
0: And I'm Jennifer Burrell.
1: Today we're talking again about class and how critically talking about both class and capitalism seems to be making a bit of a welcome comeback. (sighs) Only a few weeks ago, Jennifer and I talked about the reappearance of the notion of class in public commentary and public analysis.
0: Yeah, something that seemed to be out of fashion for some time.
1: Yeah, class seemed to be out of favour as a useful category for analysis and activism in both social, uh, social science and in daily parlance. There appeared to be a growing sense that class wasn't useful anymore as a concept. Mm,
0: yeah, very old-fashioned. Mm. There was the idea that in practice class had been sort of overcome or mm. dealt with there's no such thing as class anymore. Uh, supposedly, it had all been solved and we had all been somehow equalised and we don't didn't need the concept of class anymore. That's
1: right. Classes were thought to have been eliminated by the assumed delights of the welfare state mm-hmm. and ch- changes in the labour market. There was, the, di- for example, the diversification of occupations with an expanding services sector.
0: Yeah, and... The expanding services sector, plus the shrinking of the more unionised manufacturing sector, where the idea of class is traditionally more in the foreground, of course.
1: Yeah, and then there was the advent of high tech and grad- gradually rising affluence, where said, which were said to assist in the assumed disappearance of class, not just as a concept, but also as a social and personal reality, especially in Australia.
0: Yeah, ha huh, with the Australian myth of egalitarianism Mm -hmm. uh, joining with the neoliberal idea that we're all looked after economically. If we look, just look after business, if we look after the rich people at the top, um, we're all looked after, so we don't need the idea of mm, class. That's so right. it's the old trickle down idea of course.
1: Of course, yeah. Our theoretical and activist minds and hearts creamed not so fast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when this core idea of class in our critical thinking was too often summarily dismissed. Our political thought leaders and operators, they let us know that talking about class was unduly divisive, mm. including large section of the media, which aided and abetted this, of course, given that they are owned by the, the other class. Yeah, the owning <laughs> That's class. That's right. Apparently, when we say class, we are not contributing to the great pretense of Australian harmony and unity.
0: Well, yeah, they actually say we're causing class warfare and division just by naming it.
1: That's right. Discussions about class, similar to those about gender and age and race, color, ethnicity, sexual orientation and ability and inequalities and injustices they maintain, they were dismissed just as talk and as stirring undue divisions and attacks Against the grand pretence of harmony or the lucky country oh
0: well, shark, we even had the harmony day <laughs> that's facing right. anti uh, racism day
1: that's right, which we presumably therefore inhabit all the talk of class of course would be would be added to the traditional culpabilities of the rebel rousing left
0: yeah the rat bag left still daring to talk as if class and inequality is a real thing yes. <laughs> how dare they
1: still in many of our think again programs we have talked about our political economic system
0: yeah and we unashamedly jacques continued to talk about capitalism mm-hmm. and how capitalism actually produces and maintains inequality That's necessarily right. it doesn't mm-hmm.
1: and how capitalism could not even exist without the ongoing divisive processes and relationships, dividing people into those with a surplus of power and those without it. Mm -hmm. Indeed, we have often talked about capitalism, a term which, like class, has also been playing a bit of a disappearing act in our conversations and statements about the state of the world and of Australia. On one hand... There's something happening like like what is referred to as the goldfish not knowing the water she swims in. Mm. The power of assumed everyday normalcy. We just assume that our economic system is the normal state of affairs and hence does not need really any additional naming. Mm. It's just the economy Often after President Lincoln, uh, no, uh, what's his name? Clinton, Uh, you know, uh, saying some years ago now, just the economy stupid. Well, this was often the response to those just wondering about it all.
0: Yeah, it it reminds me of a bit of when ex-federal MP Julia Banks described ex-PM Scott Morrison as being like menacing, controlling wallpaper. Mm. So... I thought wallpaper is such a clever metaphor for something that controls our lives but is so pervasive we don't even see it. So things like class and inequality won't appear as news or anything new, um, but they're always there in the background like wallpaper. And a lot of the things, of course, we talk about on Think Again are like that sort of wall paper, even, even scary controlling
1: wallpaper Yeah. So when you dare to name capitalism it often raises the, the response or the suspicion that you're really criticising it and therefore must have some leanings to Marxism or Communism and the following on usual response was and those systems haven't worked mm-hmm. So whilst the capitalist economy may have some flaws, it is the best we got and can get and we can usually fix it if something goes wrong.
0: Yeah, so that's the idea they put across. A twig here and a twig there, and everything will be hunky dory. Well, and that's the assumption in most public commentary and media, I'd say.
1: Yeah, which we did critique, the internal workers of, you know, we did critique a couple of weeks ago, uh, the internal workers of capitalism as well as in a variety of other uh, programs. It went a bit to the background with our attention going to other things.
0: Yeah, like hijacked by the coronavirus, Mm, of course. And our um, famously dysfunctional previous federal government, and also um, our own desire, Jacques, to look at alternative ways of organising ourselves, mm. which we always try to come back
1: mm, to. That's right. Interested in, we are interested in emerging political, economic and ecological alternatives. Still, we often referred to the massive work of the French economist Thomas Piketty mm. for his historical economic analysis that has revealed increasing economic inequality over time. Especially since the 1980s, across the world and certainly in Australia as well. In 2012, Capital and the 21st Century came about, and his 2020, Capital and Ideology, was published. Thomas
0: Piketty. Piketty,
1: that's right. Today, we want to pick up more directly our questioning of the political economic system, just as we did with the discussion about the reappearance of class a few weeks ago. So, we started to wonder then whether there's also something like a reappearance of talk about capitalism happening and its workings as they occur in in general debates and in writing, especially in the normal mainstream press, or are our commentators still pretty much holding on to their old certainties and assumptions yeah. that was our question really
0: yeah and and, and are they holding on to our old certainties and assumptions Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. capitalism's basically working pretty good. That's right.
1: Yeah, the wallpaper, basically. Mm -hmm. So let's look at a few additional references, therefore, to the critique of our existing system. Already in 2014, a book titled How Will Capitalism End appeared in which Wolfgang Streak convincingly makes the point that the proper question to ask about the state of capitalism nowadays is not anymore whether or when it will collapse, but how it will collapse.
0: So he's talking about how capitalism will That's collapse. That's correct. As yeah. an, he talks about that as an inevitability. That's right. And we just need to look at how it happens.
1: He does depict an inevit- inevitability in the ongoing self-destruct destructive processes of capitalism and he looks at the human and earthly consequences of that collapse
0: yeah so the collapse of the environment
1: as well as as well as many of the other collapses that mm. means uh, amongst other things collapsing uh, for example wolfgang streak suggests that as per usual it will be those who already suffer who will suffer even more poor people in so-called developing countries, the marginalized and excluded people, and, of course, other species and the earth. Paul Mason's 215 book, Post-Capitalism, A Guide to Our Future, is another good publication in that type of writing and reasoning, arguing in this vein, therefore, as is the work of Timothy Morton, and we will those put those references in the uh, Think Again website.
0: And they're, and they're all on the topic of the demise of capitalism right. and, and really challenging that mainstream mm. idea that capitalism's basically working pretty well, isn't it? And it's it? the only
1: real thing we've got, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. So I think that's enough from you, Jacques, <laughs> <laughs> for the moment. Well, on that note, we'll go to a break with some music. Ngura, which means rain song by... Karajala Jala Kiridara.
1: you're listening to think again on 3CR radio 855 am on your dial and streaming live at 3cr.org.au today we're airing some of the critiques of capitalism that are, that are becoming more common luckily yeah. <laughs> even appearing in the we're mainstream not alone, shark. <laughs> that's right even appearing in the mainstream press before the break, we talked about crises in capitalism, such as growing political economic inequality and harm to the environment. Bringing in the fate of democracy, in the context of state of the state of capitalism, Wendy Brown, in her book Undoing the Demos, Neoliberalism Stealth, Stealth Revolution, she details how democracy has been entirely undermined and usurped by the needs of those forces who profit from the imposition of economic rationalism or neoliberalism. She, she identifies how the neoliberal ap- approach to capitalism since the 80s has effectively done away with the few and hesitant gains of the redistributional approach coming into force after World War Two.
0: Yeah, that's right. After World War Two and, and leading up to the 1980s, of course, governments were focusing or trying to focus more on a fair deal for everyone, Mm. and that was following wartime, the sacrifices everyone had made. That's right. So there were more progressive tax systems um, compared to today, and some of the economists we refer to, like Thomas Piketty and Joseph Stiglitz, it comes out very clearly in that long-term analysis of, Mm -hmm. How regressive our taxation system has has, has, become, has the, become since the eighties. That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, it was economist Keynes' state interventionist model as practiced in the political economy of social democratic capitalism after that Second World War, as Jennifer just uh, and by indicated. Keynes, it was you mean? The Keynes, the, the economist. The uh, English economist, yeah, yeah, and
0: the Keynesian approach was to inject more mm. money into the distributional economy. kind of distributional yeah. money into the economy, a bit like That's, what we did in the mm, um, GFC. Yeah. That's right um, under um, Kevin Rudd.
1: Yeah, sort of, sort of. You know, I often refer to it as capitalism with a friendly face. Mm-hmm. But now, after almost <laughs> half a century in the neoliberal mould of capitalism, we've gone through a series of crises. From the oil crisis in the early seventies, all the way to the, to the present warning of the WTO, the World Trade Organization, and the World Bank about impending disaster in the post-COVID world and the rising costs of living, we've been talking about. We've been without talk of crisis. We haven't really been without. Talk of crisis, if you think about it. And
0: that's crises within the capitalist system.
1: That's right, yeah. Still, the usual economic commentators and writers of mainstream texts about the capitalist economy, they mostly interpreted capitalism's ever more frequent crises as normal hiccups, part of capitalism's normal systemic ups and downs. Even the growing ecological concerns and the the, the pandemic did not seem to perturb the mainstream commentators that much, let alone moving them to consider their effects on the capitalist economy as a system. So they just left it at blaming the usual suspects the unions and the Greens. Yeah,
0: and the, all the people pushing to be mm. paid yeah. fairly.
1: That's right. Who are going
0: to wreck the economy. Exactly. <clears throat> but uh, there does seem to be a bit of a shift in tone in the way commentators do their commenting, which is where we're getting, I think, Shark. Mm-hmm. So starting with our favourite mainstream economic journalist, Ross Gittins, um, who's the economics writer in The Age, um, in, in mid-2022... Just after the federal election, uh, Gittins gave a talk to the ACT Economic Society Annual Dinner in Canberra, (laughs) which sounds quite riveting. I think, Jacques you said it sounds like a funeral speech for neoliberalism and the econocrats. (laughs) Mm. Um, um, Econocrats being economic bureaucrats. Mm -hmm. So getting to Gittins' presentation, he titled his address... Better, not smaller government. Confessions of an econocrat hmm. watcher. Yeah,
1: they're with, <laughs> yeah, with questioning one of the main maxims of neoliberalism.
0: Yeah, the, that maxim being advocating, he's advocating for better government, not smaller government, mm-hmm. as the neoliberals would want. So, to quote from Ross Gittins, uh, econocrats have played along with the delusion that higher taxes are unthinkable, both economically as well as politically, and settled for eternally struggling ineffectively to reduce budget deficits. Mm-hmm. They should have been doing all that they could to stand up against the demonization of taxation for short-term and usually hypocritical political reasons. Advantage. That's, un- a, that's a
1: huge, a beautiful state yeah. statement, and, yeah. and all
0: that talk about oh, we have to reduce the deficit. Mm, oh, but we mustn't put taxes up. So he's calling right. that the contradiction out in that. And Gittins goes on to his second objection to neoliberalism: the belief in the need for smaller government. So that, of course, goes along with smaller welfare mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. and and letting the market rip. That's right. And take control instead of government. Mm -hmm. Um, So Gittin's response to this was, quote, We don't need smaller government. We need better government. Government in which the winners from globalisation and other structural change are required through the tax and transfer system to compensate the losers. And I'll just interject in there, transfer system also includes Centrelink payments. That's right, (laughs) yeah. The neglect of fairness towards the losers from microeconomic reform does much to explain why resistance to reform has grown and too many people have become susceptible to populist solutions. Mm-hmm. We face a choice between bigger government with higher taxes or a never-ending struggle with debt and deficit. Unquote.
1: <laughs> That's a really stunning statement, giving given that the remnants of neoliberal beliefs still resonate across many comments made by the big players in industry and in government. But it gets even more direct. In the New Daily, Minister for Competition, Charities and Treasure, Treasury, Andrew Lee, after retelling the story of how the Monopoly board game came about and conquered the world, Liwa warns about the dangers of the growing number and power of monopolies in capitalism. And I quote Andrew Lee. Monopolies don't just dominate mining and banking. They loom large in other sectors you may not in- initially think of, such as baby food and beer. Online, there's a dominant company in internet search. There's a dominant company in music streaming. As a dominant company in social media, some monopolies act as gatekeepers. Apple controls which apps go into its store. Amazon determines who sells through its marketplace. According to research from the Australian Treasury, the market share of the biggest firms has been getting bigger. That has allowed them to increase their price markups, charging consumers more because of their market power. Mm. And then follows a laundry list of problems with Aussie capitalism, according to Lee, minister in the Labour government at Uh, present, and I quote, At the same time, the Australian economy isn't producing new firms like it used to. The start-up rate amongst employing small businesses is declining. Workers are less likely to switch from one company to the other for the post-decade well, past decades, sorry, productivity growth has been lousy. Real incomes have grown grown slower than in any other decade during the post-war era, unquote.
0: Yeah, and people know that firsthand hmm. too. Yeah, so economist Joseph Stiglitz, who we've talked about in past programs, um, he's written a lot about this. Um, So... As ca- he talks about how as capital is concentrated in fewer and fewer people and entities, money can simply be made by those with the most by owning the lion's share of the money. So, you mm-hmm. can, um, there's, so there's no need to research, no need to innovate, no need to compete even so much. If you dominate the market... There's no need to even produce anything useful, really. So so in that way, big money becomes lazy money.
1: Yeah, that's right, because the system's processes themselves, they make sure that it keeps adding onto the already existing heaps of money. Uh (laughs) And you can always offload environmental and social costs to others. So you reduce your own debt in the process. Mm. French economist Thomas Porcher pierces through all manner of neoliberal fundamentalist beliefs in a Belgian paper, saying, and I quote, the private sector certainly has no moral point to make as it externalizes much of its cost to the environment, to the next generation, to other species and to the global south, and therewith forgoes even more debt.
0: Yeah, so that they pick up the profit and other people pick up the tab. Absolutely. Either through the environment or through future generations. That's right.
1: Oxfam has picked up on a few no nos in the neoliberal creed as well. Quote, the International Monetary Fund, the Organization for Economic. Corporation and Development, OECD, usually known as OECD, and the European Union, they have proposed that governments impose windfall taxes on the energy companies making record profits from (laughs) skyrocketing energy prices to support people facing rising energy bills. Oxfam is calling for a tax of 90%. ...on excess profits on a temporary basis, to capture the windfall profits of corporations, to reduce profiteering and create significant funds for investment. Oxfam also proposes urgent one-off solidarity wealth taxes on new billionaire wealth as well as permanent wealth taxes... And even the Mm. business section of the Saturday Age on the 17th of uh, December had three articles deeply questioning several normalities in so the called neo- nor- <laughs> yeah, sorry, right. so-called normalities. Yeah, so-called normalities in the neoliberal ways of doing capitalism. Yeah,
0: the, the neoliberal capitalism wallpaper <laughs> of our Victorian lives. That's
1: exactly right. There was Simon Fox Coop who commented on the lack of corporate reporting on their climate change risks. Mm. Sarah Dankert commented on the lack of proper regulation of financial markets, specifically the collapse of a major trading house and how easily rogue financial operators can obtain licenses in Australia to sell high-risk financial products, leaving a lot of trusting investors ripped off.
0: Yeah. And and in the same edition of the Age, um, and I think we should alert people the business pay who don't know the mm. business pages are really telling. Yeah, yeah, they certainly do. Yeah. And in the same edition of the Age, Ross Gishens joined Minister Lay in complaining about the lack of competition between firms. With lack of competition, competition, um, he he's saying eliminating the need for firms to lower their prices, thereby increasing. Our inflation and our inflation woes. So, again, the lazy capital that Joseph Stiglitz talks about. Um,
1: it really does look as if capitalism will soon have to go into at least some form of shape-shifting. And it can't be soon enough, we think.
0: Yeah, and if we can, let's help it along by calling it all out, continuing to call it out and talking about ways of doing things Differently (laughs) and better.
1: Mm. So that leaves us with a community announcement. We'd like to tell listeners again about the Tannerminna Wait and Mollbor commemoration broadcast on 3CR on Friday the 20th of January, just a few days before Invasion Day, officially still known, unfortunately, as Australia Day. Mm. The commemoration committee invites you to the Tannerminna Wait and Mollbor commemoration at midday Friday 20, the 20th of January twenty twenty-three, on the corner of Victoria Street and Franklin Street in Melbourne. You can listen live from 12 to 1 o'clock on 3CR or join the crowd in the city for the full event and details can be found on the 3CR website. Thank you for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, you can call Borderlands or email Borderlands rather, Borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast and your favorite platform plat, on your favorite <laughs> platform, <laughs> and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au.
0: Meanwhile, please enjoy Milkumana by King Stingray. Oh, oh,